When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Blue, White and Yellow. I am back uh, feeling much healthier, much better. And I'm joined uh, by Joe Donahue and Baron Cross, your Leeds United writers. And I'm happy to be back, fellas. And it's... It's, it's it's a good time right now, isn't it, Baron? It's a, it's a great time to be alive. The sun is shining. England are through to the Euro final after a brilliant victory last night against Denmark. Just just sum up to us how you're feeling, mate. Well, me and myself personally, it's my turn to feel a bit ill. So um, I've t- I've kind of taken on the mantle of being the uh, the poorly one. But I've done a negative test, everybody. So calm down. I'm fine. It's just a cold. Um, but yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? We're recording the day after. Um, England have trounced Denmark, um, and it, yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of processing it really because it's such a such a big thing that happens so infrequently. It's quite hard for me to kind of just sort of get a gauge of, of exactly how big it is and what exactly we're watching. Um, so we've got a few days now until England play Italy, um, and it, it's almost sort of going without saying that the Phillips angle, isn't it? He's just been absolutely tremendous since the Croatia game. Um, rarely get did he get taken off in the Italy game I've forgotten already um but it, it feels like he's played every single minute doesn't it I'm sure one of you will correct me on that I, I've got very hazy memories of the uh the Ukraine game sorry um, <laughs> I was gonna say has he come up against Italy yet <laughs> no, it was, it wasn't it sorry um so it's almost going without saying how well he's playing because I mean we, we all kind of expected him to at least be running as much as he has but to be this comfortable at this level of football absolutely tremendous yeah, I think I think JD's he ran another five hundred miles last night, didn't he? Well, he missed the the first sort of Bielsa murder ball session of the of preseason, so he just he, he compensated by doing fifteen point three k. So you know, it's I mean, it's it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, he w- there was the, there was a statistic that I saw this morning, which was that um, it was actually laid out really well on a on a bar chart, which kind of accentuated it. But um, Calvin Phillips, I think he completed twenty eight pressures just in the middle third of the pitch last night. Which is, I mean, it's an obscene number. Uh, and then when you put it against the, the the exploits of the other England players and the Denmark players, just pales. You know, it just shows just that he just does not stop. He's he's bionic. Yeah, he's. I think him and Rice's partnership in the middle has just become formidable as well, hasn't it? And there's still talk about Henderson coming in for the final. There was talk last night of Henderson coming in for the semi-final because we need that step up. Henderson's got that Champions League experience. He's been there, he's done it, but nothing ever seems to phase Calvin Phillips, does it, Baron? It's just the same consistent performances week in, week out. You just know what you're getting. Yeah, it's um, he's been, been absolutely formidable um, and it's it's scary sort of how, how naturally he's now looking at that level and, and in that kind of company. And yeah, it's just a complete, it's just another feel-good story, isn't it? It feels like Leeds has been nothing but a feel-good story for, for three years now. Um, and he's he's had another feather in that cap. Um, just can't wait to see how he's going to do when he comes back to Leeds in the Premier League. Of course, 
we now know he's going to go to the, the full length of the tournament. So he'll be finishing on the 11th of July. And and then I'm sure he'll get two or three weeks. I mean, I would be surprised if we saw him in those friendlies at, at the end of the month. I think there will be one or two more friendlies announced, I think. Um, but of the three that we know about, I would be, I'd be surprised if he's involved in any of those. And maybe he, he comes back in sort of, maybe goes into training that week and then actually maybe tries to get a friendly out maybe the week before the, the Man United game. But yeah, when, when he's operating at this level and the, with this kind of confidence, he, he could be running games again in the Premier League. We saw, the, we saw him run games last season, but he could go up another level. He's still so young. And that's a good point. I, I still feel that. I still feel like he's not playing at his optimum level from what we've seen at Leeds, which is nuts. And obviously it's two completely different roles. But this tournament, You've only really seen him struggle for me against sort of Billy Gilmore and John McGinn in spouts, uh, obviously against Scotland. But aside from that, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. But he is coming up against Marco Verratti, which is going to be a whole different test for him, isn't it, JD? I mean, we saw the Spanish try to neutralise Verratti and I think they did a half-decent job. It's going to be a completely different task for Phillips this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the the Denmark game was probably England's toughest from a from a tactical perspective, and just in terms of you know the the output that they had to to put in. Um, and I think the first hour of that game, obviously, Phillips wasn't was maybe a little bit off the boil, but then it it showed that you know the the advantage that you can get just by simply being fitter than your opponent um, is you know shone through in that final sixty minutes, didn't it? Um, with Italy, though, I mean, you look at the players that 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 England are going to come up against. I mean, they're, they're world beaters. Um, and Verratti is obviously one of those. He's been arguably the best player in that position for the past five or six years, you know, probably going toe-to-toe with the likes of Angolo Conte. Um, but I think that Italy midfield is probably the most balanced uh, midfield three that you could probably get um, at, at an international tournament. I mean, you look at, you've got Verratti, Barella, who can just go both ways, uh, just does not stop running. Uh, Jorginho, who, I mean, I've seen quite a few people suggesting Jorginho for the Ballon d'Or. I'm not sure whether that's a joke or not. But, um, you know, he's been good. I don't think he's been that good. But, um, you know, it just goes to show that there are there are suggestions that, you know, that these players are, are, are you know, that they are world-class and, and, and a world-class is subjective. But um, at the moment, you know, Phillips is matching them. Um, and I mean, it will be a massive task. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what, what Southgate will do with it because I think, yeah, Verratti and Barella will be difficult to track. Um, and they're equally, just like Rice and Phillips, they're not going to give up. They're just going to keep going, keep plucking away, uh, constantly snapping at your heels. Um, but I think on the basis of those six games that England have played so far, still yet to concede a goal from open play, by the way, um, there's nothing to suggest that, that Phillips and Rice can't go up, go toe-to-toe with them and match them. Pickford's fault or an unbelievable free kick? Um, I, I think I'm going to go with unbelievable free kick just ever so slightly. And also, it's quite clever from Denmark with the way they shuffled the wall across. I think it was Kier, Christensen and Vestergaard. So, you know, three pretty tall fellas kind of just shuffled across to block... Pickford's view just as Damsgaard is about to, to take that free kick. So I think it's maybe a little bit of both, but I mean, we can't take it away from Damsgaard, can it? I mean, that was a it was a it was a great strike. The dip on it. Yeah, it was it was a sensational free kick, wasn't it? I think my first thought is, as with most things, Pickford does was to try and blame it on him because we love blaming an England goalkeeper, don't we? But it was it was an amazing free kick. When you look at the technique, the way he's used his his instep, he's fantastic. I mean, you, you look at where he's hit it from and how he's got it up and down so quickly. And 
you, you can't believe he's got it in somehow. Really, really impressive how, how England responded. They, they had a few shaky minutes, didn't they, afterwards? They looked a bit rattled, a little bit all over the place. They were sort of pressing a little bit um, irregularly, if you like. There wasn't sort of quite a decent pattern to the way they were pressing. They were a little bit frantic, I think, and a bit panicked. But um, but they rode it. They rode it out, didn't they? And then obviously the the equaliser came within nine minutes and they could have had another one, couldn't they, when um, Schmeichel saved from Sterling immediately before the actual own goal went in. So they responded really, really well. And from then on, really, it seemed, I don't want to use the word comfortable, but it was it was fairly routine, wasn't it, from then on? And, and England just only got stronger and stronger. And you could see, I mean, especially in extra time, Denmark just fell off a cliff, didn't they? Um, especially in the, the second period. Denmark didn't have a shot after the 60th minute. Oh, I think they had one shot, it might have been. But yeah, they, they, there was never any any doubt in the, in that result. I think obviously everyone had nerves. Um, but, you know, look, looking at it through the lens of, are Denmark going to create anything? They lost their legs. As soon as they took Damsgaard and, and Dahlberg off, they didn't have anyone to, to break. And that was what had caused England problems in that first that first half when, you know, they were playing those sort of like little triangles, little up, back and through movements, which, you know, were, were drawing Phillips in. And then he was obviously out of position, uh, out of position and then sort of Brathwaite was filling in those gaps uh, and, and, you know, just acting as, you know, the player to receive those wall passes. Um, they lost that. And I think that that final hour, you know, that I think it's one of the reasons that that England, you know, tr- tr- prevailed was that, that that Phillips was was you know he was superior in in terms of the just the capacity the the volume of work that he could get through um, and you know that goes a long way I think. So with regards to transfers, anyway, Leeds United have had uh, a bit of a it's, well, it's been more eventful um, than it has been in the past month or so. But we've got two over the line: Junior Furpo, who I know you guys have spoken about on a live. But I don't know if you've done it when we've uh, officially signed him. I don't think you have, but a great signing for Leeds United: thirteen point two million and a real coup for Leeds United, isn't it, JD? Well, yeah, it's not every day that Leeds United sign fullbacks from Barcelona, is it? I mean, it's not every day that Leeds United have been signing players from top divisions, never mind the, the top clubs. Um, you know, I think it's it speaks volumes that, that again, Victor Orta has been instrumental. I mean, we, we speculated on it uh, on, on the previous episode of the podcast. We said, you know, what would it be like to be in that, that meeting with, with Victor um, and sort of be be persuaded to join Leeds United? And clearly it's it, it's paid dividends again. Um, because you know, you, I mean, he, he isolated for five days. I think it was uh, as he went, when he went to Spain to have this this lunch meeting with 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 Junior Firpo and and his and his agent and, and Gabby Ruiz, the the head of scouting at Leeds, uh, the head of European scouting at Leeds. Um, and you know, I think the fact that he's gone to those lengths kind of shows that he you know he he does I mean he does care about his job clearly. I mean, nobody who's followed Leeds for however long Victor's been here uh, needs to needs to be told that. But I think to to those perhaps on the outside, for somebody like Junior, um that that you know pushed Leeds ahead in the race, I think. And um there was interest from AC Milan. Um we we said on the previous episode that he likely wouldn't have started there uh, because of Teo Hernandez. Uh, so it would have been very much a sideways step. I think it's good. Uh, that he's you know he's hungry to play first team football. He's obviously been told that he will be the club's first choice left back this season. Given that you know there's there's not really anybody else who's going to challenge him for that. Um, and I, and I don't know about you two, but I was really really impressed with his first interview uh, with the club. Um, first of all, I didn't know he spoke such good English, um, which is is a minor point, but it's something which will very much ease the transition. Um, I think it's a, another thing which the club will have identified. Um, you know, I think that was similar in this in the Rodrigo deal because obviously Rodrigo had spent time 
um, in England pr uh, prior to, to signing for Leeds when he was on loan at Bolton as a youngster. Um, and I think it's it it, it it does speak volumes again of the recruitment that the club have identified that Barcelona are in dire, dire financial straits. I mean, we, we can get into that, but talk about running a club and, and how you shouldn't do, you know, how you shouldn't... Uh, do the finances, creative accounting, whatever you want to, whatever you want to describe it as. But um, the club have identified that market trend. Uh, they've seen that you know they can perhaps perhaps cash in a little bit on a player who's definitely twenty million rated for for less than twenty million, and and they've got their man. And I think it's a it's a great deal. Yeah, I think um, like you say, it was, there was quite an odd point. I think during negotiations where they were basically being held up by um, by Lionel Messi's people. <laughs> That's sort of where where things got to because. Barca were very, very busy dealing with the main man and um, just basically didn't have the time to kind of look properly at the, at the Furpo paperwork until the, they ticked off a few more boxes and the messy stuff. So, I mean, that says it all, really. Uh, and I think it does some of the financial situation, Joe, like you say. They they clearly need to generate cash somehow. They need to get the cash flow going in order to get these deals done for players like Messi. Uh, so I think there's there's quite a few sort of fringe players that have, have sort of quite... Um, bluntly been told you will be leaving <laughs> find yourself a new club we need to generate some money sooner rather than later um and yeah quite similar to, to the ren situation and, and the league uh problem last year with rafinha they've they've swooped haven't they they've obviously identified that furpo is a player that first of all suits the system bielsa likes him i mean that's the, the biggest hurdle for players is that bielsa likes them there will be so many players that, that victor takes to marcelo and marcelo's like no just don't fancy it. That just doesn't tick enough boxes. There's not enough there for me to work with because we know he, he likes improving plays. He doesn't expect to have the finished article brought to him. Um, but clearly, he's very, very particular with the way they play football and then the certain attributes that players need to have. So, when you clear that hurdle, it suddenly opens a lot of doors and, and allows Victor to, to press ahead, knowing he's got the backing of the head coach. Um, and, and like you say, Joe, he's he's spoken really well, hasn't he, Furpo? He's like you say, you can, you can tell there's a lot to prove there. He's, he's on it, almost when a question isn't about Barcelona, he kind of brings it back to that. You know, I've not played very much, but I want to show it. You know, I think the phrase is I want to show. He said that multiple times. You know, he, he wants to prove people that he is good enough to be, I don't know, a Spanish international left back, you know, barring Jordi Alba. He, what he thinks that he should be considered at that level. That's why Barcelona paid. Um, was it 18 million euros and then plus 12 million euros in add-ons when when they took him from Betis um, less than less than two years ago? So clearly, as can happen with transfers, it hasn't worked out from a Barcelona, but that doesn't make him a bad player. He's still only 24, um, and I think you know Joe's done a few brilliant pieces on on the sort of left back that he is, and you can see that he is going to fit right in uh, in terms, of, especially with ball carrying and, and effectively just assaulting the left flank, even if it means leaving the. Cooper a bit exposed and expecting Calvin to kind of plug those gaps as he as he has done. I mean that's just the way Leeds like to play. We've seen it with with Ailing on the right and of course Alioski on the left. Yeah, and I think his heat map is. It, I'm tired looking at his heat map. It just seems to a bombardment of that left hand side. And what I as, as well liked about the interview is, he, he, I mean, within about three minutes he mentioned Europe, um, and I like that. <laughs> he wants to get to Europe straight away, which, you know, it's ambitious. It's what we need at the club as well. 25 years of age, he'll be wanting to prove himself, as you've said, Baron. And it seems like he's not really had the chance at Barcelona under under Coleman. And he's looking, he'll be definitely looking to get back that Betis form, won't he, JD? Yeah, I mean, he's not had the opportunity. I mean, he he, he was signed under Ernesto Valverde. Then he was sacked, I think, three months into that season. Kike Setien came in, who was his ex-boss at Betis, um, who brought him through at Betis. 
and uh, he played a little bit more. But I mean, it's very difficult to drop Jordi Alba if you're a Barcelona manager because he has been just absolutely imperious over the past decade. Uh, and then Ronald Koeman came in and we know that for historically Ronald Koeman can be quite ruthless with players that he just doesn't rate or doesn't like. He can marginalise them pretty pretty effectively. Uh, and I think it was 280 minutes that Firpo played uh, in, in La Liga last season. And a, lot, a few of those, you know, those appearances are coming in for four or five minute stints. You can't do anything with that time on the pitch. It's, it's probably more, more demoralising than, than anything else that you're essentially being used as a body to bring on and waste time than anything else. Um, but I, I, I come back to the point that, you know, he's been training with Philippe Coutinho, Antoine Griezmann, Lionel Messi for the past, every day for the past two years. You know, it's not, I, I think, yeah, he's not had a great deal of time on the pitch, but He's been working with these players. You know, he's had to he's had to defend against them every single day in in rondos and drills and training and whatnot. So he's definitely bringing a lot, and he's bringing you know, there's a lot of player there for 13 million pounds. Um, he's got to make that he's got to make that step up now, though, JD, hasn't he? Stuart Dallas, Luke Halen. I tell you what, he's coming into a team who are probably fitter than anywhere he's ever played before. So I mean, we saw with Calvin last night uh, in the England game. You know just having that ability to to keep running, to keep pressing, keep pushing, that's not going to be easy for him. Um, and one of the areas that I was a little bit, not concerned, but I thought, okay, that needs to be scaled up, uh, is his pressure. Um, and that's, I mean, that's likely to do with the fact that Barcelona just hoard the ball. So naturally, you're not going to have to press the opponent that much. But to to get to, to Alioski's standard, to get to the, the lead standard, he's going to have to up that uh, a lot. So it could be a big preseason for him. But I think, again, another another endorsement of this signing is, look how early it's been secured. You know, he was signed on the second day of preseason. He's got an entire summer to 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 get into the, the groove of the squad. Um, and I mean, again, you know, I, I can sing the praises of this move all day long, but just really can't wait to, to see him with that shirt on because I think it could be really exciting. We've had uh, another development today as well, haven't we? With uh, Sean McGurk joining from Wigan. Uh, there'll be a lot of fans who don't really know that much about Sean McGurk. I think leads of long-term interest in him, haven't they, Baron? Yeah, you're quite right. He was he was somebody that they wanted to get at the same time as Gellhart, I think, for, for the same reasons, really, Wigan. Um Obviously, in absolutely dire straits at the time they, they went in and got Gellhart. I think any scout worth his salt was aware of what Gellhart was capable of and, and how good he was, and, and McGurk too. And I think there was there was quite a few very, very highly rated young players at, at Wigan who did go on to to bigger clubs at the time and since. And um, if for whatever reason, you know, paperwork, whatever it might be, maybe it was a little bit more difficult to agree compensation, that kind of thing. It's just taken a little bit longer. Um, but I think he technically went out of contract this summer. So Leeds have paid what's considered an undisclosed fee, but that's basically the compensation to to, to pay Wigan for obviously the work they've done in developing what's what looks like a very, very talented young player. So we will see. He'll obviously play a little bit deeper than, than the likes of Gellhart and Greenwood. He's not a striker. Um, but we'll see him play in the middle. From what I've seen, very, very quick, very, very nimble, um, quite slight in size, um, but more than enough to work with. And clearly somebody they they are very, very hopeful on for, for the long-term future. And it, it is another one of those signings that does kind of make you look at the the existing crop and think that there is going to be some difficult decisions to make. Casey's already gone, of course, but I think the likes of Gotts, McCalmont's gone out on loan already. Um, Stevens has been talked about. Huggins has been talked about. You can just kind of see they've moved on from acquiring maybe sort of some of the best League One, League Two youngsters when they're in the championship to now looking at basically taking other Premier League clubs best best young players and then going down into into the lower levels and taking what are future England youth internationals. So 
obviously we're not going to see much of him in the first team uh, for a year or two. He'll, he'll go straight into Mark Jackson's side. And, and, and thankfully, as I've already alluded to with, with Junior Firpo's English, McGurka's got a friendly face in the camp and it, and it shouldn't take him too long to get bedded in with, with, with Joe Calhart there to show him the ropes. But yeah, another, another sign they're very, very excited about and, and will hopefully prove to be somebody that in years years time we look back on and say he was a very very cheap addition to the first team yeah I mean you look at the you look at the, the recruitment drive from the past 12 months I mean Cody Drame Joe Gellhart Sam Greenwood Crescencio Somerville um you know even the likes of Stuart McKinstry now uh, Amari Miller and um and uh, Sean McGurk as well you know this this isn't I mean this is targeted this is a real real uh, approach that Leeds have, have have had in mind that you know we're a category one academy now we're going to go out there and we're going to we're going to get the best not just from the local area uh, we're actually going to get the best from across the country and across the UK um, and in Somerville's case across Europe um, I think it's 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 what smart clubs do. It's what the best clubs, the best academies do. You look at the likes of Chelsea and um, you know Manchester City and Liverpool. They do scout the entirety of the UK for their for their under twenty three and eighteen teams, um, and they rightly so they they perform well at, at youth football. Um, and it's no coincidence that obviously Leeds won the league last year, Premier League two, Division two. I think they'll, they'll fare very well in Division one this season purely through the style of play. I think it's. It's very hard to replicate that at um, at, at under twenty three level and, and, and under eighteen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited with the, the prospect of another another two players because we've, you know Amari Miller as well uh, coming in to add yet more quality to this um, this under twenty three side. Um, and it does ask questions. You know the likes of Liam McCarran, the likes of Bobby Camwer, um, who I think are in the final year of their contracts or at least um, the final two years. You know they're they're twenty now. Uh, 20 and 21, I think. Um, and they, they, you know, there's, there's a question now of, okay, are you going to, you know, really show in this final year that you deserve to, to get an extension? Or is it going to be a, a case of, you know, going to be released and then drop down down the leagues a little bit? But um, I mean, that's the that's the cutthroat nature of, of youth and academy football, isn't it? It's, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, a lot of players at, at that level who don't quite make that step up to the senior team uh, ultimately proved to be filler um, and you know the names that are rattled off there I don't think every single one will become a, a senior Leeds United player but they will have played their part in whichever ones do become senior Leeds players um, they'll have played their role in in helping them develop and get to that point um, and I think that's that's what the intention of the club is it's to to, to make a, a competitive enough atmosphere at Thorpe Arch that um, that you know the club can get the best out of these young players that they've you know, in in PL two terms, paid a pretty penny for, but in PL in Premier League terms, it's it's chump change. It's it's you know, it's it's smart recruitment. Yeah, fellas. Obviously, we've heard the news about. We've heard some news, some speculative rumours today of Kiko Casilla apparently leaving Leeds United on loan this season. Immediate thoughts, Baron? Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not a it's not a huge surprise. I would say that seeing the speculation. Um, spoken to a to people at the club and, and, and further afield and it looks like it, it could well happen. Um we kind of thought this might have happened in the summer of twenty nineteen or the summer of twenty twenty, um, for a variety of reasons. I think going into the summer of twenty nineteen he'd obviously had a, a pretty difficult end to the season, including the playoff games against Derby and little did we know what was around the corner uh, at Charlton Athletic. And it, the summer of twenty twenty looked like an even more obvious time for him to to move on and a player into his mid thirties, even even by goalkeeper standards, you know, Casir is very much sort of heading towards the final few years now. And if he wants to be playing football, he's not going to be playing at Leeds. Evidently, Melier is 
he's by far and away the number one and will remain the number one. So it's where the keeper wants to stick around and, and to sit on the bench. And it does look like this will be the summer that he does look to, to move away. I think initially it'll be a loan deal um, for the season at a, a club in La Liga. Um, some talk it might be LJ. Um, we'll have to see see how that one plays out. But yeah, from from what we're hearing, that 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 could and should well happen. Um, and then if uh, if they can stay up in La Liga, it will then become permanent and Casi will move out there. But if they if they go down, then they they're probably not going to want that sort of attachment to a to a higher earner like Casilla. So um, yeah, it looks like that will happen. I think. We all know the story with Casilla. I don't think there'll be too many people massively upset, either for footballing reasons or otherwise. Marcelo will obviously always defend him to the absolute hilt. Um, he clearly sees a lot more on the training ground than we see. He sees his um, mentoring role with Melier. But I think for the rest of us, from the, from the outside looking in, it looks a sensible decision to move him on. Um, they will try and replace him. So I think um, Capriel will not be considered the number two choice just yet. It looks like they will look to move on for for somebody else who can come in and, and be an outright number two. So it won't necessarily be somebody who is looking to come in and actually compete directly with Melier. I think it will still be understood that Melier is is the number one choice, and they will bring somebody in who can. You know, like we see it in many many Premier League clubs, there's a very clear number one and a clear number two, and somebody who's happy just to basically sit on the bench, train, play cup games, um, and then step in when needed. Uh, JD, would you like that replacement to me? Maybe a, a Rob Green. Uh, another seasoned vet, uh, and it, just to get that English quota up, someone of that ilk. He's Harrogate-based, isn't he, I think? so. Uh, they I think, all are, uh, mate. They all are. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, who knows? Could maybe get him in on a short-term contract. I mean, I, I echo everything that Baron said there. I mean, it, it's it's commonly understood that Melier is obviously going to be the, the number one. He is the project player, essentially, at Leeds, um, to develop him into a potential future France number one. Um, and I think... Uh, goalkeeper's a funny position, isn't it? Because you kind of know if you're coming in as a number two, you you know that you're not actually going to get that much time on the pitch. I mean, we look at what, what uh, Man United have done with the likes of Lee Grant and now Tom Heaton as their third choice keeper. Um, you know, they, he's pure, they're, they're purely there because they know that they're not going to get, you know, it's it's one last hurrah, isn't it? One last paycheck. Um, I, I don't know. I, w- I don't, I'm not sure whether I'd be keen to get perhaps a younger goalkeeper, maybe in their 20s. I know there was speculation around Angus Gunn. I think that before he signed that um, new deal, at, well, before he signed for Norwich again, um, I think that might have been that might have been a move which made sense because it's someone who probably would push Melier, but again, would still be a number two. Um, Lee not, Camp? Lee Camp, yeah, well, he's free now. He's, he's been released from my United. Um, I think it's the, the two games in three years that he played. So, you know, he's got plenty of match practice. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whether I'd prefer that or uh, a Lee Camp, uh, you know, in, a player in that sort of mould who knows that they're not going to play very often. Um, because, you know, again, it's the, the debate of how seriously is Bielsa going to take the, the cup competitions. You know, are they going to be, in effect, a hindrance um, to, the, to the main goal, which is the Premier League? Um, or, uh, you know, are, are you going to, to, to want a, a functional goalkeeper in there instead of someone who is maybe a bit you know, bit bit dicey. Yeah, Baron, it doesn't seem the Leeds way really to get a, just get a, an example of someone like a league campaign, does it? It seems like whoever is going to be around this Leeds United squad needs to have some sort of impact. Yeah, um, obviously time will tell exactly who he brings in and what their profile is. Um, 
I, I would think there's no sense of bringing in anybody that's particularly young because you can get that kind of angle with Capriel. So I'm sure it'll be somebody who's older than Melier and is, is has got some experience and kind of knows their place, but is also more than capable of, of stepping in if if needed. Um, yeah, I need to get on the need to get on the free agents list, don't we? And have a look at who's out there. Um, they may well spend a bit of money on them, but it doesn't seem too sensible, does it? To kind of spend money on somebody that you kind of in an ideal world don't want to play because, of course, you want Melier available for all 38 league games. So we'll have to see. But um, yeah, I mean, Lee Camp, that's very, very funny. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to put together some sort of like joke list of, of sort of veteran <laughs> EFL goalkeepers that could do a job from the, from the bench with sort of long hair and round tummies. <laughs> he's, he's been everywhere, hasn't he, League Camp? Bar leagues. What's Paddy yeah. Kenny up to these days? Oh, so, yeah. Paddy, Mate, there you go. Back. There you go. Get him, get him back for a little remontada. Yeah. <laughs> tell you what, his 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 mentoring role would be a lot different from Kiko Casillas. I tell you that. Um, <laughs> so you imagine. Uh, get him back in. Um, I wonder if I wonder if, I wonder if Victor will maybe do a favour to somebody in Spain. I don't know. You know what his contacts are like. He's got contacts across Europe. It might not even be somebody we're aware of. You know, it could be some sort of experienced French goalkeeper, Spanish goalkeeper, Italian. You know, it really could be somebody completely off the radar that can come in. Uh, I suppose French would kind of play into that Melier role, wouldn't it? If, if Melier wants a confidant of some kind. Bartes? Fabien. Oh, this is great. This is great. That's just, um, I've got to think of some really obscure French goalkeepers now. Peggy Arpic said. Oh, wow. That is possibly the most, ex- uh, what's that. the word you just used? Um, obscure. Obscure. Yeah, great yeah. name as well. Great yeah, I think, name. Peggy said. 20 year career, like 20 years. Oh yeah, yeah, it does actually, or like a like a like a uh, an extinct a dinosaur or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, said really quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think this is Victor Orta's process when he eliminates? Yeah, he, he goes through the, the, he goes Premier League years, a one o two, and makes <laughs> the subkeepers. It's a little Vic, Victor Orta stream of consciousness, just, uh, just kind of rattling off aged goalkeepers. Like you know, he gets his contact book out, and is, are they still are they still knocking about these days? And it's like no, he's he's fifty four. Um, John, John he's Bar- Come to think of it, uh, John Burridge, he he had uh, quite a career, didn't he? He was pudgy, as he was known. He went around the clubs when he was in his 30s and, and into his 40s. So maybe he's still um, he's still knocking about. Well, there's the greatest Premier League number two of all time, Shaka Hislop. Yeah. <laughs> Shaka. Yeah. Shaka, I mean, Shaka was born to do that role. It was nice as well hearing this week as well. We've not touched on it yet, but bringing it back around to Calvin. We just need to rename this the Calvin Show, don't we? Um but him essentially saying that he will never, ever, ever leave Leeds. I mean, you can't really imagine him leaving Leeds at this point, can you? I mean, I know we're all kind of wrapped up in the rose-tinted glasses of Euro 2020 and, and Leeds being back in the Premier League and whatnot, but you can't really envisage him actually playing for anybody else. I mean, draped in a Yorkshire Perlow flag, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to um, after the... Um, the, the England final, if, if if England win, it'll be sort of a Gareth Bale-esque Leeds England golf or something like that um, on, on a little England flag. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if he plays golf or whatever, but I'd like to see something of that ilk because, you know, you can't really, you can't, I, I, I've just, I mean, I've just said it, but you can't see him playing for another club, can you? His connection, you know, off on and off the pitch to, to Leeds is, is you know, they're, they're very much intertwined. You know, Leeds is Calvin Phillips, Calvin Phillips is Leeds. Um, and, I mean, I don't know what your 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 guys' thoughts are, and uh, Connor. I know that you're literally not going to want him to leave ever. As soon as he retires, straight into coaching and then into an ambassadorial role. Um, but Baron, what you what do you think of uh, of Calvin Phillips? 
potentially all, all this, you know, Henderson transfer rumors and stuff like that. I mean, it's 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 not going to happen, is it? No. Did, did um were the quotes from Calvin himself then that you mentioned, Connor? Or were they from? Because I saw his agent did a piece and was basically saying there's no interest in moving away. But as Calvin actually said himself, was he asked directly? Or is it from I, think it, I think I think it might have been his agent. To be fair, yeah. so well, same, we can, same thing, we, really, we, isn't it? yeah, we can, we can pretend Calvin said it. Yeah, well, he would, wouldn't he? If if we had a chance to ask him, there's there's no chance of him of him leaving anytime soon. Is there? I think that the tipping point was so they missed out in 2019. Um, that was when the Villa offers came in, and obviously he gave it one more season. I think if they hadn't done it 2020, then I think everybody would kind of say, yeah, fair enough, on you go. You're far too good for us in the championship, but. They got the job done when they needed to. And and right now, you know, a ninth place team in the Premier League, he's got absolutely zero reason to, to look elsewhere. The club are well aware of his contract situation. He's he's not in danger of, of that expiring anytime soon. But of course they know his worth and they'll make sure that he feels wanted and that his status is properly recognised. So I'm sure maybe even before the year's out, they will put something in front of him. Um but yeah, I mean, it's really hard to predict the future, isn't it? I think there is definitely an argument in looking at what it takes to be a one-club player nowadays because they are so, so rare, aren't they? You really don't see it. Even Harry Kane now is, is... I know he's had loan spells, but that 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 very premise with him is being challenged this summer in, in looking at where he might go. So even the most safe of players can all of a sudden sort of appear out of nowhere in, in these gossip columns going elsewhere. But yeah, right now... There's there's no danger at all because Leeds and Phillips are both going in the same direction. Um, you've got to kind of look ahead far into the sort of maybe the medium term, if not long term, to kind of look at where Marcelo is, where the team is, whether that's that sense of progression still. Um, but but right now there's there's absolutely no danger of it at all. At some point he'll he'll, he'll want to win trophies, won't won't he? He'll want to. It depends how ambitious he gets and what he wants to do in the game. But as long as Leeds are able to provide him that, then it's an absolute dream being here for him. I mean he. Connor, do you think he's a future captain? It kind of seems written in the stars, given that that, that Cooper is now into his his early thirties. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he'd be a different style of captain, wouldn't he? Um, a bit more quiet, probably a little bit like Southgate was at Villa. I definitely see him moving into that sort of role, hundred percent. And I d- I don't really see where. I mean, where would he go? Who could afford him? I mean, we, we you know we speak we're still still hearing stuff about Rafinha and Liverpool and all this sort of stuff, which is a load of nonsense, but. What price is Calvin now to Leeds United? He's no price. You know, he's 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 an unsellable asset right now, isn't he? I just I can't ever see him moving um from Leeds at this moment in time. And I do feel if he was to move, it would have to be this summer. You know, I feel like his stock is so high at this moment in time that he would get the best move right now. But I just don't see him leaving Leeds United. I, I don't I don't see the the attraction there for him. Obviously, his family's still in Leeds as well. Um, so yeah, I just see him as a, I think, you know, like JD said, he's going to retire at Leeds, move into the coaching staff, become manager, maybe chairman of the club. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us here on the blue, white and yellow. Once again, is it episode four? Yep. Goodness me. Where's it? Good memory. Good memory. I've written off already in my mind. (laughs) Where does the time go? Yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Blue, White and Yellow. If you could leave us a five-star rating on all of your favourite podcast providers, that would be brilliant. And we'll see you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.